Financial Review City City Update. Well, there we go. Um, So we're going to start today with a quick retrospective, I see, to see how stock markets around the globe fared in the first six months of the year. Um, Bearing in mind my own portfolio, not that great would be my guess. Not that great would be a nice summation, actually, Alan. Uh, You've been keeping your ear to ground, (laughs) I can can tell. Um, In fact... Overall, I think it'd be fair to say they've performed pretty dreadfully. The S&P 500, that sort of bellwether index that we mentioned on this uh, programme before, um, saw its worst sixth monthly performance since 1970, Alan. While the tech-heavy Nasdaq, the other big market in the United States, had its worst first half ever. And in monetary terms, um, US shares over that period that we're talking about lost over $11 trillion in value. It's a figure that you just can't even believe, though. Were there any successful stock market performances? Um, well, uh, I'm trying to think. Not that many, <laughs> I think, would be fair to say. Although um, uh, countries with which have economies focused on energy production have fared a little bit better overall. Um, so we saw Nigeria's market up 21%, and Lebanon, actually, a staggering 39% over the first six months of the year. But these really were the exceptions that proved the rule. So I've got to ask, though, what about Russia? How did they do? And the invasion of Ukraine presumably hasn't helped. Well, um, you would be absolutely right. And in contrast to what I said about the economies uh, that are focused on energy production, like Nigeria and Russia, which accounts for around about 12% of the world's oil popula- population production, mm-hmm. has fared poorly over uh, due to, of course, the sanctions being placed on it after after the invasion. Um, those resulted in Russia's main index falling about 42% over the first six months. But interestingly here, given the strength of the Russian currency, even against the mighty US dollar, the greenback, um, if you translate that decline into US dollars, the market only fell 19%, which is on a par actually with the S&P 500, which we just mentioned, uh, and by far actually outstrips the performance of the main Western European indexes bar the UK, which is held up actually uh, relatively well. Um, the Italian MIB index, uh, for example, in US dollar terms, is lower by around 30% year to date. So is it just equity markets that are affected? And have government bonds done um, performed over the period any better than equities? No, I can categorically no. tell you, Alan, they have not performed uh, <laughs> particularly well. Um, uh, and there's little—I mean, there's little relief for most asset classes, actually, uh, uh, and that absolutely includes bonds. U.S. government bonds actually had their worst six months. Uh, of the year since 1788. Yeah, you've heard that correctly, 1788. Um, uh, for those that uh, know their American history, I don't know if that includes you, Alan, but, uh, um, and of course this week actually, if you remember, began with the July 4th celebrations mm-hmm. in the United States, so it is sort of uh, uh, apt. Um, that's eight years after the, the Declaration of the uh, of, uh, Declaration of Independence and a year before Josh, George Washington became president. So going into the second half of the year, is there any cause for optimism, please? Um, well, um, the good news is obviously that the first half is finally over, but the bad news um, is that we start the second half of 2022 and there's not a great deal of good news around. Just in the UK alone, we've seen UK, UK household incomes fall for the fourth consecutive quarter. That's the longest run of decline since 1955. UK business confidence is tumbling too. And yesterday in the United States, we saw sentiment in the, U, in the US fall to a 42-year low. So is continental Europe 
uh, continental Europe is affected as badly as the UK and the US? Well, uh, perhaps actually more so. Uh, mm. There's been some extraordinary events taking place in Germany, for example, um, just this week. Um, we had news on Monday that the uh, that Germany's legendary trade surpluses disappeared altogether and actually been replaced with a deficit. Well, you better explain to our listeners what a trade deficit is. Well, simply, a trade deficit is where imports into the country are greater uh, in value than its exports. Fair enough. Uh, is this a significant problem for Germany? Well, no, not significant for now, Alan. Um, it's more symbolic uh, than financially significant, but it is the first time this has happened since 1991, a time, um, of course, um, when Germany was reuniting after the fall of the Berlin Wall. So have the Germans been exporting less or importing more to get themselves into a deficit? Yeah, um, well, yeah. actually, the answer is both. Uh, mm-hmm. Firstly, uh, there's a huge slowdown uh, in the rest of the world, which you know we've heard about, um, which hampers the giant German manufacturers like BMW and Linda and uh, VW, and that hits very, very hard indeed. Um, people in other countries aren't buying their products in the volumes they once were, as shown by some German data that we saw on Tuesday, actually, which showed that German car sales for the month of June fell over 18%. Which is strange when you see the number of German cars on the road in the UK, isn't it, really? But they're not alone in this, presumably. No, they're, they're not alone. Um, but it does highlight how um, Germany have almost uniquely messed up uh, this whole situation for themselves by firstly closing down their own, own coal and nuclear-powered energy plants and replacing them with imported gas from, in the main, Russia. So exports are falling and imports of gas are increasing. A deficit double whammy. <laughs> yeah, mm. a uh, deficit double whammy indeed. Yeah, Since the uh, invasion of Ukraine, Germany has become the second biggest producer, um, sorry, a purchaser of fossil fuels from Russia. And that's just slightly behind China, which let's not forget is a population of around 1.3 billion people. And prices of gas, as we know, are going up and up and up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this, in turn, once again, hits German manufacturers. En- energy costs are normally the sort of number one or number two expense in manufacturing. Energy costs um, have risen seven times there since well. the beginning of 21. The stupidity of the German energy policy in subcontracting their needs to a country run by a quasi-dictator is crushing businesses and because of all this equity markets are already having to price in the prospect of a looming four-day week or should i say uh, uh fear tag week maybe not i should uh, stick to english perhaps, perhaps. Um, and that's similar of course alan to 1974 do you remember that i was just starting work i've just left school and had my first job really <laughs> yes happy times made the decision not to go to university to get the job instead seeing what was happening perhaps it was a wrong decision <laughs> never mind this will presumably impact our german gdp significantly well i, uh, I saw this week a, a prediction of a nine percent fall in German GDP for the first quarter of 2023. Businesses are unable to produce much because um, they can't get the basic resources into the factories and what they can produce is being bought in decreasing volumes due to the cost of living, of course. Exactly. So is there a threat that some of these companies presumably could fold? Well, I mean, uh, the process really has already begun. The, The Russian 
energy giant Gazprom recently announced a reduction of natural gas flows um, down the, you may have heard of this, the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, being a lot of attention uh, regarding that particular pipeline in Germany. Um, and they've reduced those by around about 60%. They blame the Russians, uh, international sanctions and uh, maintenance activities for this. But, um, you know, you've got some remain sort of rightly sceptical whether that is indeed the case. Right, so is the government likely to step in to help? Well, I mean, government really, Alan, is the problem here, I think, but they, that won't actually stop them from trying to sort it out, of course. I mean, the German economic minister, Robert Hayback, um, warned this time last week, actually, uh, that a squeeze in Russian gas supplies risks creating a deeper turmoil in the whole economy and liken the situation to um, that of Lehman Brothers back in 2007, <laughs> yeah. 2008, in triggering a financial crash. Mm. A worrying comparison, but what about regular householders? Are they having to restrict their energy consumption yet? Well, the, the German government is far more reluctant to uh, for utilities to sort of pass uh, these costs on to what are essentially voters, of course, uh, and again shows the sort of the folly of government intervention as it's not reducing demand by doing this, while corporations are left to suck up uh, the losses. Well, that surely you'd think is hardly sustainable. No, it's not. No. So, so one of the largest, actually, one of the largest utilities in Ger- Germany, Germany, a company called Uniper, um, has seen their shares fall seventy percent in the last six weeks. They're getting squeezed from both sides because of what um, I've just described. They're unable to pass through all these increases in prices to the end customer, while um, Russia restricts the flow of gas to a mere trickle. Um, the shortfall is made up by companies like Uniper going out into the market and buying at exorbitant prices from elsewhere to, you know, to, to satisfy the demand of that end customer. So what do you think will happen in the end then? Well, what do I think will happen? The irony is that, of course, the public will end up paying far more for their energy than if governments hadn't intervened in the first place. Uniper is widely expected to be partly nationalised at great expense by the government, uh, by the German government, of course, in the next week or so with a, 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 a fresh €9 billion Euro taxpayer-funded injection of cash to boot. So, and, and actually, on that, the, you know, yesterday I noticed, Alan, that the French government did something very, very similar. They announced um, that they were going to be fully nationalising um, their biggest uh, energy provider or utility, EDF. But that won't resolve the issue. You don't think that, do you? Well, look, the near-term economic fate, and this is, I think, really the the very difficult to escape this. Uh, the near-term uh, economic fate of Germany, it would now seem, lies not in Berlin but in Moscow. The the German government must be keeping absolutely everything crossed so that when in 10 days' time the planned maintenance that we've just mentioned of the Nord Stream pipeline is complete, that supply is turned back on um, rather than remain closed off at the behest of what is essentially uh, the Kremlin. So maybe, maybe in, in conclusion, um, all European leaders will now s- hopefully be slowly waking up to the fact that while you can print euros, as they've been doing with Glee over the past couple of years, you can't print power and on that lee thank you very much indeed it's very distressing to hear it all (laughs) you'll be back next week with graham absolutely okay thanks a lot mate